watching Stockwatch with me, Zinati Guma, and joining me to unpack your stock-related questions tonight are Mia Krichler from Kruger International and Greg Katzenillen-Bogan from Sunlab Private Wealth. Do send those questions via SMS to 41392, email at stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, well, right now, uh, we are only seeing you, Greg, but uh, Mia was on. I think uh, there's just some audio problems that we are having, but she will be coming back shortly. Um, Greg, I mean, just after a, a day of risk-off sentiment yesterday, the market staging quite a sharp and a good comeback today. And it seems that they're getting their cue from the comments that came out of Fed officials looking rather dovish. And of course, they uh, mention the recent uh, spike in Treasury yields that we had seen. Just explain to us, I mean, the link... Um, and the, the consideration of these Treasury yields that these Fed officials have said that the Fed should uh, take into account going forward? Well, obviously, as the bond vigilantes have been busy and in pushing up the uh, nominal yields, which has led to a rise in real interest rates, that's probably been doing some of the Fed's work for them, and uh, which means that they don't, um, they can actually go and hold now. And, you know, after two years of solid uh, interest rate increases, the Fed needs to give uh, these rate increases time to work its way through the U.S. economy, which the U.S. economy remains pretty, pretty strong. But uh, so the fact that two Fed governors basically said that it looks like that the rising interest rates have done a lot of the heavy lifting for them. The market took that as meaning that there won't be another increase in November and uh, Treasury uh, yields uh, fell and the bond prices rallied quite sharply. Yeah. I mean, uh, Mia, uh, welcome, welcome. Um, Hi. How closely does or should the Fed look at these Treasury yields in terms of informing them on the, their next decisions? No, they don't look at the Treasury yields. That's the market's job. The market, uh, the Treasury yields are the, the reaction of the market, uh, anticipation of what the Fed will do. So it's rather other way around, like Greg explained. So there are a couple of uh, implications of rising rates that then influences the consumer spending habits, which then influences uh, inflation, and that then influences prices. Of course, that is inflation, and then at the end of the day, that is how the Fed then makes their decisions to see how this economy is cooling or whether it's still uh, running very hot. So there are very uh, various sort of inputs, as Greg explained, that they look at. But um, at this stage, we, we've heard from two of the governors saying that it doesn't look like they're going to, to have to raise further. Of course, when there is trouble in the rest of the world, as we're currently seeing out of the Hamas um, attacks on Israel, that uh, brings all other sorts of, of, of worries into the equation that the Fed will also take into consideration, uh, f amongst other things, when we look at the, the effect that that might have on oil prices and energy prices going forward and how that will play out and influence those, those commodity prices will most definitely influence how the Fed, uh, the Fed stance on rates going, going f into the end of the year. Ah, well, I mean, a, a big worry of the Fed increasing uh, interest rates has been 
um, the possibility of uh, the central bank tipping the economy into a recession. There's a question here on um, the probability of a recession. Um, it seems to me uh, market watchers still warn the recession is coming. It looks like they don't like to admit they were wrong. Uh, recession will come eventually, just part of the cycle. I just don't see it coming anytime soon. Do you agree recession in USA appears unlikely, although a rolling recession more likely? Uh, just look at the housing market. I mean, of course, also the IMF did come out with its World Economic Outlook today, uh, actually revising up its growth outlook for the U.S. for 2023 to uh, 2.1%. Uh, Greg, uh, what do you make of, um, do, do you think there could be a recession coming soon or, or not? Well, I don't know about soon. I don't think there's a recession coming to the U.S. this year, but there's a very good possibility it could come next year. And if it does come, it will probably be in the third quarter of um, next year. But it's quite likely that um, it depends. A lot of things, the situation is fluid at the moment. You know, if the situation in the Middle East gets worse than it is already, and you see oil spiking well over $100, well, towards 150 that will put tremendous pressure on inflation again and might force the Fed to uh, relook at and uh, raise interest rates further if that does that could tip the economy global economies into a recession so it's very difficult to say when but at the moment the u.s economy is firing on all cylinders it's doing exceptionally well but we haven't you know this is quite uncharted territory you've had two years of interest rate increases where people have been borrowing money at almost zero and now having to borrow much higher mortgage rates in america over seven percent but the banks as well you saw with the bank of america you know over the 200 billion of deposits and it's uh, they're earning very little on that because they put most of those deposits in longer yielding uh, treasuries and the prices has come down quite sharply look they hold those bonds to maturity so there's no physical risk but somewhere somewhere along the line uh, some financial institution somewhere will be struggling. And, you know, it's those sort of things that could tip uh, the um, world into recession. But for the time being, if you're expecting a recession in America, it's not coming this year. It's highly likely second half of 2024. Yeah, indeed, uh, that, uh, that, that uh, economy remains robust. But, I mean, another question that uh, you look at when talking about a recession is... If when it comes, it will be deep or mild. Um, Mia, has that come into the fore, uh, whether it, it will be deep or mild? Yes, I mean, our expectation from the start was really that there wasn't a, a, any indication that there was a deep recession coming to the U.S. And it's played out that way. We've seen a very robust economy, a robust uh, uh, numbers of employment and job openings. Uh, you know, a lot of people participate in the employment market in the U.S. And the consumer, even though they've been drilling down on their savings that they built up during the handouts and COVID, they are still in a very strong position compared to any any previous recession that they've gone into, especially if you think back on, on, on to 2007, where 
both the consumer and the corporates were more indebted than they currently are. So uh, the balance sheets look more robust to weather any downturn in economic activity, uh, but we're not even seeing any of that yet. So there is a lot of fat in the, in, in the economy in the U.S. to really weather a downturn if that uh, if that comes. The rest of the world is is sort of not the same story. We uh, we see more weakness in in Europe and especially now with the with the geopolitical instability that we might experience there that might play out further. And then of course locally, it's a completely different story to what we're seeing in the U.S. Uh, well, let's uh, bring it back home and drill down into the South African consumer. Um, there's a question here on a cash build. Uh, what is your valuation on the company at the current uh, share price? Of course, uh, one of the uh, kind of consumer-facing uh, companies that has been dealt uh, quite a, a bad hand uh, over the last at least two years. Um, yeah, um, Greg, what are you making of the valuation right now of cash of cash build? No, well, look, I don't have a valuation for for the company. All I know is that the industry in which they uh, operate in has been very tough for the last couple of years. Um, and whether it's property or people being able to, you know, go and buy their products to do renovations on their homes, things have been very, very tight. But I can't give you a valuation on the stock. All I know is that the macro background for these businesses is very tough at the moment in South Africa, given this, uh, that the South African consumer is quite stretched. Yeah, and quite interesting, actually, that today it is up 4%. I'm not sure if it is company-specific or just uh, um, a high tide lifts all boats. Uh, Mia, uh, what do you make of cash build? Uh, do you think it's cheap right now? What do you make of that valuation? Well, I agree with Greg. You know, it's very difficult to to decide to buy these stocks in these uh, in this difficult economic climate that they find themselves in. They the previous uh, news that they come that they came to market with in August, they halved their their dividend. Uh, you know, it's a perfect storm for them where the the economy is in a bad shape, the consumer is in a bad shape, and I don't really see where their growth will be coming from. So, no. Well, um, a, a company that is also in that uh, home improvement space is Italtal. And there actually is a question here. A view on Italtal, I know that um, a lot of investors have uh, kind of a very good view on management and the business, even under this current economic backdrop. Um, yeah, how, I mean, uh, Greg, how far does the economic backdrop filter through to Italtal? Well, look, just uh, think of what's happened to property prices in Gauteng. Uh, the property prices have fallen off a cliff, despite what the city of Johannesburg wants to tell you about pushing up the rates because they say the values have gone up. It's all nonsense. There's been a massive decline in, in uh, property. So um, you have to ask yourself, you know, are people going to walk in and... Um, you know, if you're preparing your house for sale, maybe you need to do some retiling. But it's been tough times for Italtal as well. And there's no, not going to be any change unless you start to see an uptick in the uh, economy and you get an uptick in, in property prices. Yeah. Uh, Mia, your thoughts on Italtal? 
it's the same story as as Cashbuild. You know, both these companies, even though it's it might be good companies, it's also like a well-run company. You know, they mm-hmm. can't hide from the economic environment that they find themselves in. You know, and if you consider what what Greg has now mentioned, the people aren't even investing into properties and into their houses. They can barely justify uh, new tiles and bathrooms uh, for those homes. So the, the, in August, it's also already announced in the market that they they were their margin has been squeezed over 40 percent so these are significant tough times for these companies to operate in and i don't think that there's any drivers in the short term that would uh, change my mind in terms of of that environment uh, improving for them I'm just wondering uh, just lastly before uh, we go to break um, uh, Greg that I mean these companies are largely dependent on economic growth would you also not maybe try and take them as cyclical companies where you kind of get into the stock when everybody's running or, or not? It's just not going to work. No, well, look, if you're going to buy uh, these companies now at this level, you could be waiting a long time for things to recover. We all know how uh, troubled the South African economy is, how tough things are for the consumer. On the 1st of November, we have the Minister of Finance bringing the medium-term budget. And, you know, I can't see any rabbits that he has to pull out of the hats, out of the hat. So I think that, um, you know, you could sit for a while before these uh, stocks start to recover. It needs a catalyst. And in this industry, it needs growth to pick up, people to start feeling confident again, and property prices to rise where people are going to start uh, building again. But we haven't, there hasn't been a building boom for a while in, in South Africa and certainly in many parts, except for the Western Cape, of course. But, you know, one province can't uh, get these companies out of trouble. There's a question here. In these volatile times, is one better served averaging, averaging in weekly versus monthly or does it not really make a difference? Uh, let's start with you, Mia. Well, firstly, I mean, I'm a big fan, depending on the size of, of, of the holdings and the investment we're talking about here. But considering the fact that time in the market is normally more your friend than uh, than averaging in, if it's a very large trade and there's uh, there's merit to it, and that's all liquidity, a uh, sort of uh, a liquidity play more than anything else. So yes, don't be too clever. Don't try and be too clever when it comes to investing your money. If you're a long-term investor, not a trader, buy the shares that you want to be in for the long term at uh, the reasonable prices that they offer you at the time that they look like a good investment. Ah, Greg, your thoughts on that? <laughs> Well, I agree with Mia, you know, it's, um, you know, in, as you can, generally this is sort of um, uh, putting money in on a regular basis. It's for people who are probably buying unit trusts um, or ETFs, but generally for a stock, it depends on your, your time horizon. If you're going to buy something in a short term, but uh, you're not quite sure, then you can phase it in over a couple of days worth of trading but it just depends what what you're buying and uh, what your time horizon is Uh, if i can maybe just add to that Mm. is that the fact that the best thing you can do as an investor is to regularly contribute to your investments and add to your investments and save on an ongoing basis at the end of the day that is the largest contributor of the the cumulative returns you'll see over time is the regular contribution of savings to the pot that you've already put away so 
I mean, as the money comes along and comes uh, becomes available, invest it and save it as soon as you can. Uh, all right. Mia, I want to stick with you. Uh, there's a question here. Thoughts on uh, Implat. Of course, we have seen that whole resource uh, complex just skyrocketing over the last few days, even today, extending those gains. Um, Mia, what do you make of Implat right now? And it's actually, I, I guess, also just my question. Have these counters now found a bottom? Yeah, look, I mean, it's very hard to to call a bottom. Uh, if it was easy, Greg and I would have been sitting on our yachts and not <laughs> not be talking to you guys. But um, the fact the fact is that today we heard from China that they will be, uh, uh, you know, spending and stimulating that economy again on the on the infrastructure side. So that's most definitely a, a plus for commodities as a whole. And we saw commodities rally on that news. And yes, I mean there are various sort of uh, reasons to be to be bullish on platinum for the long term. So the long term drivers remain, uh, and that sort of I mean I've I've spoken to various fund managers who have various time views, and I'm sure Greg himself would have a different uh, um, opinion about sort of the different time horizons for these commodities, but. Uh, medium term, maybe not that much as, as electric vehicles take the front uh, row, but still over the long term, it's a commodity that's needed and there's not a lot of it around. So, yes. Ah, And Greg, uh, specifically on implants? Well, on implants, so the key here when you know, looking at these stocks is to see what the underlying basket price of the goods they sell is trading at. And you've seen rhodium has fallen off a cliff Palladium is below 1,200. Platinum is below 900. So um, the only thing that is helping these mining companies is that the RAND has been much weaker. But if we're going into a period now where things risk is on again and you're starting to see uh, the RAND start to recover a little bit, if you don't see an increase in the underlying platinum, uh, palladium, rhodium price, then um, it's going to be difficult for all the uh, PGM companies uh, to recover in the short term. But if you see that recovery, then uh, these stocks look cheap. You know, implants it normally traditionally trades five, six times EV to enterprise value. And at the moment, spread trading at half that. So I would say that, you know, Impala is worth at least 180 Rand, which is trading almost half of that at the moment. But everything depends on will they get their costs uh, under control if inflation does moderate? And if they do, will we see a recovery in uh, the underlying basket price? And at the moment, uh, that's difficult to say. But yeah. in Platts, is uh, you know it's highly geared to the uh, the prices of the underlying basket. You get a recovery in that, you can get a, a disproportionate rise in the implants price. Ah, uh, uh, there's a question here on uh, banks. Um, your thoughts on banks? Um, me, I mean, the banks have really had a good run in terms of earnings in this period of elevated interest rates. Um, what's been quite interesting for me is investors plowing back into Capitec. Um, that has been considered expensive for a while. So what do you make of that whole uh, banking complex? Oh, Mia, I think uh, I think you're muted. There we go. There we go. There we go. <laughs> so, yes, I mean, our banks, are, our banks have strong balance sheets and they have also all been stating that they can feel the pinch of the economy because they have been more uh, vigilant on the, the uh, borrowing terms 
They've seen their bad debt starting to rise, and that's all the concerns that you have for banks and financial companies when it comes to high interest rates and weak economies like we see locally. So uh, from a global side, we'll, we'll get the numbers starting from Friday. Friday is basically when the new earnings season in the U.S. starts, and we'll hear what those banks have to say. But uh, yes, I mean, that economy has been going strong. Those banks will, uh, will have made more money on the margins. And uh, it, it seems like that would be a good result. Once again, if you have the opportunity to invest in, in companies with a far better reach uh, to a stronger economy, that's probably in your better interest than to stick it out uh, only in South Africa. Ah, um, Greg, um, what do you make of, uh, you know, the runway of South African banks from here on out? Well, look, I like the banks because that's where the money is. But um, I think... Um, you know, one concerning thing is that, uh, well, a number of things, but you need to get the economy growing again um, and government need to come with pro-growth policies because the banks, you know, they, they lend to consumers and if consumers in trouble, then they have to provide uh, for, for bad debts. But I think one thing that concerns me is that, you know, a couple of years ago, South African banks held about 50% of government bonds in issue, and that's gone up close to 75% now. So if they've been buying a lot of these bonds, and worldwide bond markets have been in a bear market. So on paper, a lot of these institutions are sitting on paper losses. Now, it's not a, a crisis initially because the, they hold these to maturity and they uh, things will recover. But if South Africa's debt profile changes and the South African government has to issue debt at much higher rates in the future. That could be put a crimp on banks' earnings. Ah, all right. Well, before we go to your stock picks, uh, what stood out for me today was pick-and-pay share price surging uh, by 8%. And I mean, there's just been a lot of bad news, um, you know, just around that stock. And I'm wondering, uh, Mia, if this is maybe investors taking advantage of a stock that has been beaten down a lot or maybe just the confidence starting to come in in terms of the leadership and strategy. I think that there's a lot of hope here on, on Mr. Summers returning to pick and pay. And um, there's a lot of work that he will have to get his teams to do to get pick and pay up to... Uh, market leader again. So there is a long runway if you're banking on that. And then, of course, a lot of uncertainty around that in a weak economic environment where, uh, you know, a company like ShopRite, for instance, have been investing in infrastructure and technolo technological advancement for so many years that they are quite far ahead of their competitors at this stage. And it's very clear in the market share that they're taking away. Yeah. So for me, uh, it's a no. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not uh, recommending a trade. On, on sort of uh, flimsy flimsy information as we've seen at the moment. Ah, uh, Greg, um, yeah, what would you give pick and pay, yes or no, or maybe caution? No, well, I think Kimia hit the nail on the head that there's a lot of hope embedded in here and they're hoping that Sean Summers can come and turn it around. They need to get their margins up. They've really had, you know, the, they've had their lunch eaten by ShopRite. So he's got an uphill, uh, uphill battle. So, but uh, given the, you know, it's, these are solid stocks that you, um, you know, people still need to eat and so that they'll do well. But I think if you've got a choice of supermarkets at the moment, then ShopRite would be the, the better one.
at the moment. Ah, all right. Well, let's go to your stock picks uh, for today. Mia, what will it be? Well, I'm going with a controversial one with Shell. Uh, we've been liking the energy trade for literally the last three years. We started buying at the end of, of 2020. And still, you know, we think just with the, the, the global and the, the, or the geopolitical uncertainty that we see uh, around the world, there are uh, so many, so many sort of reasons to, to see these companies keeping on making a lot of money. Uh, with the transition to cleaner energy, they are fundamental in that transition. They are also, many of them uh, have their net zero targets uh, set higher and faster than most emerging uh, countries themselves. So um, so they are working towards a greener economy. They are very cash generative in the current space. And what we've also been seeing is less capital investing from these companies because they're not building into the the, the uh, old fossil fuel um, businesses anymore. And they are able to pay out a lot of that uh, that income to investors. So they've changed sort of more to a quality style company than uh, than what we've seen in the past. Ah, all right. Well, on your side, uh, Greg, let's quickly get to your stock pick. My stock pick is Cecil for a short to medium term trade. Uh, basically, besides the oil price rising, you started to see uh, an uptick in chemical prices. Cecil uh, is basically also a chemical company. But the key thing is we've seen the RAND fall out of bed and we've seen the oil price rise. So for every $1 in the Brent oil price, it translates to about one RAND in uh, Cecil's earnings per share. And every 10 cents in the RAND is something like 100 million on their bottom line. So uh, share price is all about earnings. And I expect when they next report earnings, unless things change dramatically, their earnings will be up quite nicely. And that's why I think that the share price still has some up momentum. Right. Well, thank you so much for your time and analysis today. That's all for Stockwatch this evening. Thanks to our guests Mia Grichler from Kruger International and Greg Katzenellen-Bogen from Sunland Private Wealth.